Welcome to the Line of Sight Gaming Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number one. What a small wow, number. that's weird. <laughs> yeah, of the Line of Sight Gaming Podcast. My name is Chandler. I'm here with, uh, let's go with Brett. I am here. You are yep. here. Jaden is also here. I am. Uh, yeah, we've got to keep that formatting the same. We can't mix anything up. Uh, for anybody who's curious about uh, what this is all about. Uh, so recently, uh, we decided we were going to kind of um, kick off with some space to be able to talk about some of the other kind of games and things that we have uh, been interested in for some time. Uh, part of it was uh, when... Um, we got involved with creating things like uh, the Brawl Machine format for uh, War Machine, as well as kind of getting into like some other stuff that we started picking up on after that, like Falling Corvus, uh, Diplo Machine, um, playing around with just a lot of other different ideas. Kind of got this bug for talking about like game design, games in general, uh, just a lot of stuff like that, as well as the three of us are talking all the time about just various games that we're excited about. And we wanted to kind of have a, an avenue to be able to to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, convince... Usually it's going to end up where two of us are playing it and we're going to try and convince the third one <laughs> to to play it too. Yeah. 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 A lot of time. Uh, it's just, it's just me, me and Brett ganging up on Jaden over and over and over again. No, no. Hey, now. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. Conquest is the two of you. <laughs> like, yeah. That is true. That is true. No, Not it's wrong. Chan there with me going, these models are pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys got to chat me up about MCP, apparently. At some yeah. point, do. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. The combination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of different stuff. But today, we're going to be talking about something that uh, Brett and I <laughs> talk about probably. All the time. Yeah, just all the This is our, <laughs> this is like our main topic of conversation <laughs> outside of like anything line of sight related for quite some time, we, which is kind of an. To... We got distracted mm. by Storybook Brawl for a while, but now now you're back to, to Monster Train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always end up back. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, a kind of little fun subgenre called it is a deck building roguelike or roguelite or however you want to roll with it. Okay, um, we're not going to be able to discuss the difference between roguelike. And I'm roguelike. not I'm not spending the time talking about yeah. the difference between roguelikes versus roguelites. For it's not in ASCII art. It's not roguelike. <laughs> Uh yeah no I'm not. You, doing you probably should go through and define what each of those things are separately though. Like, yes no we we will go over those specific things just not the 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 black that, hole that it's the conversation yeah, of what a roguelike means. That's a different topic. Yeah mm-hmm. okay. Uh so these are two different things that um a lot of people do kind of generally know what they are but we'll, we'll talk about kind of what each piece is. So first off we have a deck builder. Um there have been this was invented are, by Ascension so this is actually a recent invention not Ascension. Um, Dominion. Dominion. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So Ascension is a very popular one. Like, well, and but, I just yeah. think it's so cool that it was invented in the golden age of board gaming. Like, yeah. Like this, the whole genre is twenty years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a deck builder, generally speaking, generally speaking, they follow a fairly similar kind of basic concept, which is that you're going to usually start with kind of a, a small set of like default cards that are usually kind of low efficiency and not super useful, but they're just like basic resources. And then there's going to be some kind of pool by which you're able to add cards to your deck. Right. So unlike like MTG, where it's like the deck building is before the game in deck builders, 
deck building is part of the game. That's what's yeah, so exciting. It's, it's part it. of the game. And there's, there's a lot of different mechanics you're having to play around with. There's generally like, what are the resources by which you add cards to your deck? Also, what are the resources by which you remove cards from your mm-hmm. deck? Because getting rid of cards that are unwanted. Some deck builders will do things like put cards in your deck you don't want to be there. Oh, or yeah. negative cards and things like that, that that hurt you in some way. Do you guys uh, play any where you can like give other people cards? Is that a mechanic that exists? Because if not, I feel like it should be. In in like the board game types, I'm I'm certain. I, I've played more PC based ones than like Well, ones, your opponents but... do that to you all the time in <laughs> PC based ones. Yes, that is absolutely true. Yeah, we'll talk especially God slay the spire. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so yeah, deck builder, like put very, very simply, it's, it's any of those games where you're going to be basically constructing a deck of cards that you're drawing a hand from over the course of the game. And that is like the main mechanic of that game. And the thing that's so cool about that is it's, it's all about like probabilities and consistencies where it's like, if I'm focusing on this strategy, you know, 50% of the cards in my deck are related to that. So if I draw them together, they become, you know, like they build up together. And so it's like, and you can shape those probabilities over the course of the game. It's kind of like what we like in War Machine, right? Where it's like you affect the probability of hitting or damaging by boosting. This is you're affecting the probability of things working by, you know, thinning or adding stuff to your deck. Oh, yeah. Well, and it like, because you're the, the the process of deck building like you feel like the goal is to add cards to your deck and it hits a whole there's a whole new like level of understanding what you're doing when you start realizing how important it is to remove cards from your deck because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like i need to draw the cards i just got that are good and right. i keep drawing bad cards and it's like well if those weren't there you would have drawn your good card yes. yeah i mean it, it's like um it's like how in, in magic and pokemon and other collectible card games like that um it is most efficient to play the maximum number of exactly the cards you want and not to, like dabble a bunch yes redundancy is good yes yeah and that's what's so cool about the genre is that it makes that redundancy part of the game like there are mechanics that like make you go towards that redundancy and then the really well-designed ones will have mechanics that encourage you away from that hmm. yeah so uh yeah um so let's go on to kind of the other half of this. So this is where we kind of get more into the fact that this is a little bit more of a PC gaming thing. You're not really going to see this in a physical gaming space, which is the roguelike. Uh, roguelikes have had, uh, I feel like we're a little bit on a down curve, but they they, boy, <laughs> they, were, they were insanely popular. For yeah, like five years ago, I don't think there were any games coming out that weren't roguelike. <laughs> yeah, it was it's just really, really consistent thing. And, and there's a couple reasons for that, but uh, a roguelike's... And I don't want to go into the history of it, but just for kind of a foundation, it's kind of based on uh, a game that was called Rogue. That's where the actual like genre name kind of comes from. And part of the the process of playing Rogue was that it was a when you died, you died and all of your progression straight up reset. Uh, and the dungeon that you were going through was a procedurally generated as and it's uh, not random exactly, but it's it's randomized to a certain degree every time that you play through it so it's never the same multiple times and the goal was always just to kind of like how far can you get basically so so like unlike dark souls where it's like it's always the same challenge and you can kind of like you know figure out the tricks and like memorize everything this is like you have to be prepared for things to go wrong in it yeah and it's more about understanding the system the the systems and the mechanics and how those play into the randomized kind of aspects of it and like and really good roguelikes generally have a lot of like systems in play for like 
making it so there are things that are certain in given situations, but it's also made consistently kind of interesting and explorative by the fact that it's random at the same yeah. time. The, the right. strangest thing about roguelikes is that it's extremely important that at some point something completely bullshit happens to you. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just core <laughs> to roguelikes in general. It's just that it, it there's there's just bullshit sometimes. You're just like yeah, okay. Or yeah, I was never gonna beat that. <laughs> there's an enormous amount of luck that goes into them. Like yes. there, there's times where you start a run and you just go, that was a bad run. There's just sometimes you just have a really bad run. <laughs> there's you know, and, and some of them there's like a degree of skill that you can kind of get around. Like it, probably the first rogue like I got really into was Binding of Isaac. Um, which I actually played an enormous amount of. And but that game, like, you can technically make any run work, but some of them will crush your soul to do it. <laughs> Whereas some you're like, I will face roll my face around on this controller and just win because <laughs> I have gotten so many silly buffs. Um one of the things that I, I that and this was actually this goes back to binding of Isaac uh for me is one of the things that most excited me about that is a lot of the time in kind of modern roguelike design, um, you're going to be going around getting like various kinds of power-ups or special abilities that you, that you pick up kind of over the course of it, and they're all randomized pretty much as you find them. And a lot of what makes those really entertaining is um, the synergies that you craft out of that. When you get, you know, in, in you know, there's you a certain. Gonna, I think you're going to hear that a lot from the two of us. <laughs> yeah, you're about to. Yeah, you're about to hear it because this is where the deck building part changes this a lot. Yeah. Well, I just um, mean in general, we like synergies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in games like Binding of Isaac or a lot of the kind of more like uh, like roguelikes that were kind of coming around 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 risk that era. Yes. Yeah. Risk of Rain. Um, you got these really crazy synergies, but it was kind of luck based. It was the skill aspect was could you reach those synergies or sometimes it was like, did you know the little mechanics you needed to game to to increase your chances of getting those synergies? Um, like as a random example, in Binding of Isaac, if you got through an entire level without taking any damage to your actual health bar, um, you would get a chance at a devil room, which is a it, after you beat the boss, which is a special room that would sometimes have unique upgrades in it that could synergize in really interesting ways and knowing that and taking the time to make sure that you're doing that was like an important part of going for certain synergies and but at the end of the day it was still random you might just not get stuff that's really good um or or mixes up terribly well um this is where we kind of start to slide into where deck building got like introduced to this and is such a perfect fit for it. Oh, and Brett and I became obsessed with them really quick. Yeah. And I think well, so I was already obsessed with deck builders. For a long time, mm -hmm. I owned every single deck building board game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say I was like necessarily obsessed with them, but like I had Ascension on my phone and I played that all the time. Like That's true. When we met, you played that constantly. Yeah. I played it all the time. And it wasn't, I just played against easy bots because I just wanted to make insane shit happen in a deck. That's all I care. I didn't. I wasn't after a challenge. I was just like, time to get some wild, wild synergies going on in a deck because it's fun. I just find it entertaining. Um, and yeah, so it, like deck builders, yeah, we we already had some experience with those. Uh, I believe the one that really kind of pioneered the genre and I think probably got us both kind of in on this was Slay the Spire, right? Slay the Spire was that, definitely first. I didn't start with Slay the Spire though. <laughs> okay, yeah, Slay, Slay the Spire was the one that that really. So if you're looking into like just the concept of like a deck building roguelike slay the spire is like kind of the OG. It's not especially old. 
but <laughs> this isn't a very old genre. Uh, but Slay the Spire is also really good. <laughs> um, I have some problems with it, but they're only when you have a lot of time spent in it. Like, Oh, I forgot to say the most important thing about roguelikes. So mm-hmm. the way I always describe it is this is something I figured out from Monster Hunter. Roguelikes are RPGs where the character doesn't level up, you level up. You get better at playing it, and that's that's how you get through harder challenges. Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, and so that's one thing that is is common of kind of uh, common like modern roguelite design was one of the things was when you go back to to older roguelike games. Um, generally, when you died, it was like welcome to the beginning again. F you, you basically wasted your time except for any knowledge you picked up. Um, most of them these days have forms of meta progression. Uh, basically that each run will kind of get you something that will either make the next run easier or more interesting or add more mechanics to it or things like that. Are you talking about like Feria? Not Feria, what's it called? Rogue Rogue Book? Uh, I mean, Rogue Book does that, but... um, Hades does it. Yeah, I mean, Hades Hades is a fantastic uh, uh, roguelike, but it definitely has that, right? You have those those buffs that you can put on yourself Mm -hmm. to the game that make it easier. Um, and, And that's like partly to make it feel like you're not wasting your time right <laughs> to be honest like it's one of those things that you can make a perfectly good game without that but like well you just get so frustrated right it just gets think. frustrating and it unless you unless you made a game that's just gameplay is worth it which is like applause to you yeah, uh, like if, if you could do that why are you wasting time with the cool mechanics yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're just like i don't know i don't need anything i just like sh- doing the thing um yeah yeah you don't need anything uh yeah so there's usually some kind of like meta progression going on that that's going to kind of um make things a little easier for you in so in slay the spire i believe it's that you actually unlock cards as options it's i barely remember because i did it so long ago it's that's a bad mechanic (laughs) it's not great well that's the thing so slay the spire is very very early so what i want to do for a second is kind of explain a little bit about slay the spire's structure because it's kind of what became foundational of like most much all, all game, deck building roguelike yeah, everything in this genre is a reaction to that game yeah uh so with slay the spire you have a set of different characters that you can pick from uh just as the most basic example i'm going to use the ironclad uh the ironclad is your your basic boy with sword basically yeah, sword uh, he's, he's the yeah he's the fighter and um at the beginning of a run, you get, uh, and so this is going to be the first time we bring up one of the big things about why I think deck builders are so interesting for this genre. You're going to get to talk to a character that's going to give you a set of choices. And choices are so important to why these games are so interesting. But yeah, get to that. You're oh, going to get Monster, set, Monster Train does an amazing job. Monster, that's why I keep going back to Monster Train. Yeah. The one that, yeah. But um, so in Slay the Spire, you're going to get a set of choices that are available to you. And they're they're various things. Uh, one really one that I actually do oddly often is enemies in your first three fights have one hit point. And one thing that you can do is you can look at uh, a map when you're actually progressing through the game. You have a series of different uh, like pathways you can take and you choose and you can see them ahead of time as far as whether the next room has a monster, a question mark, which is some kind of random event, an elite monster a treasure chest or a shop. I think that's everything. Um, site. Uh, yeah. Because oh yeah, a resting site. Yeah, resting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fire so, up, but I'll, I'll fire. get there in a second. Yeah. Um, you so you you can see this map before you make your choices, whatever it is. So like in my case, if I have an elite 
that I can reach in the first three combats, I will often do the enemies in your first three fights have one hit point. If I don't, I don't do that one because it's not worth it. I've never um, thought of that. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> There's yeah, so yeah, much I, to these games. Yeah, I do that all the time. I've actually had ones where it's like the elite one is my third fight and I'm able to like get the crystal early. Anyway, complicated stuff. But uh, yeah. So yeah, you get you get this kind of interesting set of choices available to you. And, and it can be lots of different things. Some of them are like uh, each character starts out with an artifact that is like a, a passive ability that affects yeah. them the whole game. Um, it could be like lose your starting artifact and gain a random other artifact or something like that. And in, there's there's a few different things. And you can pick. the funny thing about that is that most of the like some of the characters like their starting artifact is like integral to how their character works. <laughs> I feel that way with the Ironclad sometimes. It's not, yeah. integral, but it's so good. The the Ironclads is so you have a health pool, uh, and so I, I want to talk about this. So. This is one thing that I actually don't like about Slay the Spire that is very often imitated, is that um, the loss condition in Slay the Spire is very rarely um, like like a challenge you can't overcome. It's that you've been ground down. Like you, you're, It's hard to regain HP, and so like you lost a little bit to a basic enemy, you lost a little bit to a basic enemy, and then you run to a boss, and they just barely get, break through your armor, and you have to start all over. And so that's why the rest sites are relevant because they're they're where you regain, and so you don't get ground down as much. But it's not like fun to, to like give up on all these cool things to restore your health so you don't get ground down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so yeah, you, you've got this health pool that's permanent, and any damage you take to that is basically permanent. But the ironclad just heals six hit points at the end of every fight, which lets you play a little more recklessly. Um, you're gonna start with a handful of cards in your deck. Uh, in the Ironclad's case, it's slash. Well, well, really, pretty oh, much like this. Yeah, there's usually it's they're they're all the same, and then there's like one unique card. So Slay the Spire is interesting in that, unlike board game deck builders, you don't buy cards like during fights. You your deck only expands in between fights. Yeah, yeah, you have lots. Mm. Yeah, you have lots. You stop to to like to increase them. So, like, so in like your first fight, you pretty much just have your starting cards. Yep. Um, and it's like a handful of slashes, which do six damage. Um, six or eight. I don't remember. Six. Uh, and you have a handful of blocks, which, uh, yeah, they give you eight shield, which uh, blo- <laughs> block is, it's basically like a health sponge in front of your health pool, but it goes away at the end of your turn or at the end of their turn, or I guess at the start of your turn, but whatever. Um, so it's, it's like a, it's a one turn health sponge kind of unless you have a way to break that which is the fun part <laughs> yeah. um yeah and uh yeah and so you're and, and then uh in the case of the ironclad you have bash which is it costs two energy which you only start with three that you can use per turn basically mana that you can use per turn uh but it deals eight damage and it applies to an effect called vulnerable which uh for two turns the enemy you hit with it takes 50 percent extra damage from everything you do that seems pretty good it is very good, and it's one of the mechanics you can really play with with the um, with the ironclad. Yeah, uh, the stacks tell you how long it is, so you can kind of keep it up forever. So at the end of every fight, uh, you're given a pack of cards to choose from. You can pick one card from like three, uh, and they have various rarities and powers and things like that um, that they will do. They show you their mana cost. They usually are very simple. Cards in these games are usually extremely simple in what they do. It's usually oh. just like two cost does damage like they're they're fairly straightforward it's kind of a case of how you put all this together and one of the cool things is 
each of the four characters has like two or three kind of directions they want to go. So it's like, what strategy do they fit into? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in the case of the Ironclad, there's a few different kind of routes you can take this guy. He has, my favorite is Block. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, block, block is the most fun, mostly because it it's kind of the weirdest way. It's like the, it's the least like, you know, it's, yeah, it's the, the best offense is just way more defense than God himself has ever had. Um, or you can go like an extremely aggressive high damage. You can go a route where he damages himself a lot. Um, you can actually go kind of an interesting route with the ironclad where, so one thing we were mentioning is that uh, enemies can put cards in your deck and uh, they're never like injuries, things like poison. Yeah. So it could just be a card that doesn't do anything that you can't play. Like that's like the best case scenario, which (laughs) it just sucks because it just fills up your deck. Um, but then there's ones where it's like, if it's still in your hand at the end of the turn, take two damage or things like that. Um, they'll stack a whole bunch of stuff in there, all kinds of different, um, different kinds of, uh, uh, effects that they can throw into your deck. Um, one interesting route the ironclad can take is to actually turn those into a benefit, um, where every time he draws one of those negative cards, he draws another card. And then like, so he like skips past them really quickly and like stuff like that. Um, and he's also very good at exhausting cards, which means basically discarding them permanently for that fight. That's the, mm. yeah, that's the deck thinning mechanic. Yeah, that's a that's a in in fight deck thinning mechanic that you can do because you can also remove cards from your deck permanently in between fights if you go to shops sometimes. or something. Sometimes, yeah, very specific situations. Um, so like just kind of an example of it, what this really is kind of ends up being about as you're going through a run is that you're trying to find interesting synergies to take your fairly kind of benign start. You're like, I have some cards that do six damage. I have some cards that give me eight block, whatever. What cards can I gain and what kind of like synergies can I go for and build for that are going to turn me into an exponential damage scaling monster, basically, <laughs> where you're doing thousands of damage <laughs> like with single card uh, plays and things like that. And so that's why, as an example, I want to talk a little bit about like a block ironclad because it's, mm-hmm. it's just a really good example of like, oh, I see how this synergy kind of kind of happens. So one of the really there's two. I think, well, three really key cards to a block. Like, you can actually technically win if you just have, like, these three cards and you can draw them enough. Uh, Well, you do need something to stack block, but at least very basically, if you have Barricade, Barricade is a three-cost power, which means when you play it, it puts a status effect on you that is permanent for that fight. Um, And then the card is gone, so it doesn't fill up your deck anymore. Uh, What Barricade does is it makes it so block doesn't go away at the start of your turn. So your block is permanent if it's not completely removed by damage. That seems important. The other one is, I think, called Fortify. I'm trying to remember the name of the other one. Uh, It doubles the amount of block that you have. (laughs) Um, And this is not a one-off card. If you can continually draw this card, you can double your block over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one, the big one and the card that is going to be what makes you kill things is called Body Slam. Uh, body slam just deals damage equal to your block. <laughs> and if you have those three things, and then if literally every other card in your deck is either like card draw or armor or both, which there's a really great card that's just gain eight both. block draw card. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, if you have that kind of deck, you can pretty much 
scale infinitely now. And that's kind of what you're going for is like being able to infinitely scale. The trick with the block build is it takes a second to get going and leans heavily on when you draw a barricade. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also you, you have to get those specific cards. And you have to get those specific. Yeah, and that's the thing is block. The problem with block is that you have to start building for it really early. And if you never get barricade, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's just not. And your run is kind of doomed. And this is one of the things about Slay the Spire that, that kind of becomes problematic. But what's really fun about it is, and, and this is the case with any really good deck building roguelike, is that you're taking these this very simple character that doesn't really do anything terribly interesting, and you build the wildest scaling synergy you possibly can. Um, the way I always think about it is every run I'm trying to figure out what my infinite scaling is. What is my scaling that conceivably doesn't have a top end? Because yeah. um, if, if the, 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 the secret final boss is absolute nonsense (laughs) yeah and so you you have you're like what am i what do i have to do to make it so that no matter how hard a fight gets i can catch up to it in power level basically Mm -hmm. uh to to literally infinity (laughs) and um and so that's why i love the block build because it's one of the most obvious really easy trees of just like this is infinite scaling like strictly speaking on a long enough timeline i can kill anything it Mm -hmm. it doesn't it like cards are the easiest thing to find like there's a lot of builds that require having like specific artifacts yeah so the big thing that and this is where i'll segue into kind of our next favorite one a little bit Mm -hmm. the big thing that is a huge part of the design of these games that uh, i think slay the spire got it started but other games particularly the one we're going to talk about uh, really f- kind of mastered it in a lot of respects is that while this is very random, you have a ton of random elements going on. You have random path, like the, the pathing of where you can go to do different things is randomized, right? So like where enemies are located, where stores are located, things like that is all randomized. The cards that you draw every turn is randomized. You're already dealing with a random mechanic in that respect. A lot of the time, the artifacts, the special powers and stuff that you're getting are randomized. What cards you have access to to put in your deck are randomized. So how do you add choice into this, right? And in Slay the Spire, uh, it's you get gold after fights. And uh, when you stop at stores, so first off, you have the choice of what card you pick from any given like lot of cards. But then you can, uh, the and, big kind of choice. Well, one stores. of the unfortunate things of Slay the Spire is often the correct choice is to not take anything. Yes, yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, keeping your deck incredibly small in Slay the Spire is like key. Um <laughs> And uh, but then you get stores, right? Stores are places where you can spend your gold that you've built up. And they have like they have like five class cards, a couple of neutral cards that are technically available to every class. But they're all random, like which ones you can pick. They'll have some artifacts in there and they'll have the card removal service. They'll also have potions, which are kind of a cool thing. I like potions. Oh, really? I hate potions. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, (laughs) Thanks for agreeing with that. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Uh, (laughs) Um. Yeah, so that's kind of where, like, you get a whole bunch of choices in the form of the store. Um, beyond, and then you have a choice in kind of the route you try to go for. Uh, beyond that, you don't have a lot of agency except for just doing a good job playing your deck. Um, and one of the problems that I started to have with Slay the Spire is when you get, it's incredibly fun. I would 100% suggest this to anybody. This game's phenomenal. So it's kind of, it's like complete, right? Like, they, they release yeah. one expansion and they're like, this is it. This is the game. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just a really, it's, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, yeah, there's a, a fourth class you can unlock that's that's very weird. Um, 
And uh, the, the biggest issue I started to have with Slay the Spire is um, once you get into the really high difficulties, because as you win runs, you gain yeah, a stacking difficulty modifier you can add. Once you start getting into the really, really high difficulties, um, it kind you kind of can't like have fun anymore. Mm-hmm. You sort <laughs> of have to like do a good job building a really nice balanced deck that has a good like I don't even really see wild synergies. Like I've actually watched people play at like really high low, like people who can win at like max difficulty every run, like almost without fail. And it's they just they just play these really safe. Kind of, and I'm like, that's not why I'm here, right? <laughs> but the thing is, with Slay the Spire, you will play it for many, many hours before you get to the point where that matters. Um, it's just, after a while, you're kind of like, I have to build boring to make this work. Or I have to just, you can make it work with the really like dumb super synergy builds, but you have to just grind out reps to get there. And like randomly, it's like, it's like pulling a slot machine after a while. Um, to get into a game that increase the amount of choice and i think did an incredible job with this we started playing monster train monster train is so well designed i don't understand yeah monster train is incredible <laughs> so monster train is it takes kind of the basic concept of slay the spire you get a lot less of like the pathing thing um you have a little bit of pathing choice but it's pretty minor uh and now they are important choices yes. but like you only get a few of them um the idea with in Monster Train has it's just it's like the dumbest premise, but I love it. Anyway. Oh, I, I do want to bring that up about Slay the Spire. One thing I love about Slay the Spire, and I think it inspired the next generation, is that its setting is so weird. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like most most of them are. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not basic fantasy tropes. It's not what you're used to. It's like it's got this air of mystery. It's got these characters who are like one's a robot. Like like. It's yeah, just, I, I like that kind of zany. It's, it's got, Monster Train uh, has that too. Monster Train has that because Monster Train has. It's really funny too because Monster Train feels like it has like this really wild lore, but you kind of know it doesn't. Because <laughs> 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 um, the whole premise of Monster Train is that I guess like hell froze over, yep, and the only flame left is powering your your train from hell, and you're trying <laughs> to get it back to hell to light hell back on fire, oh, and so. Right. I thought you were trying to break that, it. That's it. Fire. It's, it's like something like that. It's it's a little vague as to exactly what's going. And so you're fighting angels. Yeah. Uh, and the things you're playing are all like monsters from levels of hell, basically. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And it's it's irrelevant. That's the thing with any kind of deck building roguelike. Is at the end of the day, it's a bunch of mechanics. The theming is just for fun. And so I always feel like they just kind of have fun with it because it's it's silly. Um. Monster Train takes this idea of being able to have choices about how your run works and like runs freaking wild with it. It it has so many layers of choice mechanics that it's nuts. Um, the big thing about your train is this is a triple decker train. <laughs> uh, well, really a quadruple decker chain train because yeah. the top the top floor has your your pyre in it with the flame in it, but uh, you can't you can't really manipulate that that much. Um, the first three levels of the train though, the angels come on on the bottom floor, and uh, they they all come in and you see what they are and what their attack and their health and any special abilities they have is. And then you hit, you play your cards or whatever, you hit a button and they fight whatever's on that level and they go up to the next level. And they do that until they get to the very top, at which point they fight your pyre, which it has a health pool. It has the ability to do damage to them back. 
uh, that health pool is kind of your permanent mechanic that's going to kill you over the course of the game. So you're trying to keep you're trying to keep them from getting to the top of your train. Um, each level of the train then has an amount of capacity. Uh, every monster, every creature that you can play. So this is one that's very this is a big part of where it's very different from Slay the Spire. You don't have a character. Slay the Spire, you are one character that is playing a special abilities. In um, Monster Train, it's like it's almost more like Magic the Gathering theming in a way, and that you're like summoning monsters out to fight for you. Um, but you also have spells and things like that. Really, only want like a few monsters most of the time, anyway. Um, each monster has a capacity amount. They have like some dots on it that tells you what what its capacity is, and how so big they are. yeah, it's basically how big they are. Yeah. Um, and so you can put monsters onto a level of the train until its capacity is filled up. Um. And then, like, when you by the time you get to like the expansion, there's like a whole other mechanic you can play around with. It gets uh, not it, important, yeah, not important. It gets real wacky. Um, so, so the thing I want to stop and talk about the coolest thing about this game, or we haven't talked about bosses yet, you're about to get there. Sorry, talk uh, about yeah. bosses. So, yeah, so uh, you're putting your monsters out onto this train, and uh, how a, a combat essentially works is each enemy attacks, uh, they'll attack your frontmost monster first. Uh, and if it dies, they'll attack the next one, but otherwise they'll just keep hitting that front one, unless they have an ability that says otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, and then they'll move up to the next level. Once you've hit a certain number of waves, the boss of that level spawns, and uh, how the boss works is it's it comes on on that bottom level, and instead of just fighting once and moving up, it will repeatedly, your monsters in it will fight back and forth over and over and over again until it or your monsters are dead. Then it'll move to the next level and it'll do that again, basically. So it has to go through all your monsters to get to the the very top. So the idea is, is that you're trying to build a board that can both defend from the waves and well, fight the boss at the end. Yeah, like like you need a lot of offense to get the waves because you have to get them before they run away. But, but you, you need, need enough defense because they attack first, which means your stuff is getting worn down. Uh, and then when you get to the boss, right. you need a ton of defense because you have to survive a lot of combat to get through their huge health pool. Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah. I just love that core mechanic of being pulled in two directions is so brilliant. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, now, the thing with this one is that uh, this the kind of insane synergies you're going for are a little bit different, um, but you have an enormous amount of ability to choose how this kind of plays out so like in slay the spire the only real interaction you had from a choice perspective with your cards was that each card could be upgraded once and this just made it slightly more powerful in some way mm. and you could do this at uh um yeah, a few different places you could you could sit and and upgrade one card usually rest sites yeah. um in Monster Train, upgrading your cards is like a huge part of what you're doing. You're still getting gold, similar to Slay the Spire, but after each fight, you get a set of two paths to pick, and each path is going to have a set of different things, and you can access all of them on that path. Um, this could be, and this is never, they're like pretty much never a bad thing. It's always good. It, it could be like a pool and it heals your pyre for 20 health. It could be a, uh, a pit that lets you um, remove two cards from your deck. Uh, it could be a, um, a place where you get a set of three monsters and you can pick one of them to put into your deck and it and you choose which faction. Uh, it, it, there's another oh, choice. I forgot I about want, that. Yeah, that's about that from the start. At the start of each run, you pick a faction that you want to play. And there's like, I don't remember, like eight right now. Um, and 
each faction, once you've unlocked them, has two different champions that you can play, which well, is a monster that you get for free that is that builds up over time. It builds up over time and has its own customizability. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the coolest part is you get every time you start a run, you pick a second faction. So yeah. you, instead of just having four classes, you have you know you know six choose two uh, combinations. Yeah. And that second one, so the first one you pick is going to give you your champion. The second one is going to give you some some of your supporting cards and choose what kind of other monsters you'll have access to. Um, so, like, in, in the case of, like, the first two factions you play is the Hellborn, which are, like, very typical demons. Like, they're, like, just kind of big, big, hulky monsters that do a lot of damage but have, like, no health usually. Um, and then the Awoken, which are, like, plant creatures from hell, I guess. Um the theming is all over the place. <laughs> it's, it's wild. I was going to um, say, isn't hell on fire? How do you play no, no, it's frozen, there? remember? Right, yeah, but well, it was on fire they, they, at one point. They, they play around with a lot of different concepts of hell creatures and things like that. Like, there's, like, the melting remnant, which are, like, candle wax people and, like, stuff <laughs> like that. Like, it's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different things in there. Uh, there's mm. the Umbra, which I don't even know what those are supposed to be. Um, yeah. me. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, so it, the reason you start with Hellborn and Awoken, though, is they, they synergize really, really well together. Because Hellborn is, like, all damage, and Awoken is, like, all defense. <laughs> Not to say that they can't, like, there are defensive things in Hellborn and offensive things in Awoken, but they're, like, they kind of, they're they're sort of polar opposites that work really well together. Well, and and by picking those two as your first two, they really teach you what you need from each aspect to do the two phases of the game. Um, so yeah, you've got, uh, yeah, but any path that you take, you can pick, like, uh, you might be able to pick a monster from one of the two factions and you know which faction it is before you even pick your path. Uh, the, and there are upgrade rooms. It's like a little building that you can use to upgrade either monsters or spells. This is the best part of the game. (laughs) It's so fun. Yeah. So like you've got. Let's let's take one of my favorite monsters to put upgrades on is I and I don't remember its name off the top of my head right now, but uh, it has like three health. It's an awoken creature that has like three health and like three attack, but it has multi attack too. Um, what this means is that it attacks two extra times, so it just attacks three times when it attacks. Um, mm-hmm. Very very weak on its own, right? Like almost no health, very very low damage. Uh, but once you start getting into the place where you can buff things, um, you can get some really wild uh, increases to numbers on this thing. And because of that multi-attack too, every attack bonus you put on it is incredibly impactful. Uh, right. Every little bit of attack that you add on there. And so you can go, all right, I've got you've got your three choices at the bottom, which is going to be two kind of small, cheap benefits that are easy to do. They're usually like 25 gold versus... Your, and then there's going to be one kind of big benefit that costs like over 100 gold that has like some much more powerful ability on it. Um, and you have the ability to spend some gold to re-roll those three things once to get different options. Uh, this is also where you can spend gold to remove cards from your deck. Um, each monster which you often do to get rid of monsters. Which you often do to get rid of a lot of stuff, yeah. Or you're just your cheap guard. I get, I get rid of so many torches. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> I hate that stupid card. Uh... <laughs> You, um, uh, oh, brain. Oh, yeah. Each monster has two slots to upgrade, so you have to really think about what it is that you want to do to upgrade them. And you can't overrate them, which I thought was weird. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't overrate Once you have an upgrade in place, it's stuck. So it's oh, really? 
That's interesting. Now, if you get lucky, uh, one of the potential artifacts you can find that has a passive benefit gives your monsters a third upgrade slot. And that can be pretty gnarly. Um, you can you can make monsters like really, really strong. Uh, one of my personal favorite upgrades being the large stone. <laughs> uh, I, I love the large stone. It makes me happy. Uh, it increases the amount of capacity that they take by one. So they're bigger and take up more room. Uh, but it gives plus 15 attack and plus 40 hit points. Thanks. Uh, just flat. So like throwing that on that creature with the extra multi attack, it takes it from doing like three damage to 18 three times. Uh, it's a massive benefit. I, I also feel like the events in Monster Train are just so much better designed. They're so much more interesting. Yes, they're really... A lot of Slay the Spire ones you just kind of, like, don't want to do. This is just going to hurt me a lot. I'm just going to leave. Well, and some of them are just normal monster encounters. Yeah, yeah. You'll run into an event, and it's just like, it's a fight. And you're like, okay. Um, whereas Slay the Spire, it's always, like, this kind of interesting little animated thing where you, like, meet a character or find an interesting location that has some kind of, like, interesting set of choices for you to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my personal favorites, this actually, this isn't an event, but one of my personal favorite, like, things you can land on is a little pit where you can copy one of your cards or you can copy one of your cards five times. That, that is an event. <laughs> uh, yeah. That is my favorite event, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and you, you get your one upgraded guy, and you're like, "Well, my whole my whole team is made of him." Yeah, or or you just have some weird card that does something really strange, and you're like, "All right, I'm gonna now be able to spam that." Um, like just as an example, I was telling Brett the other day about one where I had a card that increased the capacity of my room by one, and I copied that five times, and. So suddenly each of my levels could just have like an absurd amount of monsters on it. I was like, this isn't good, but it's very entertaining. Like I'm just, just dropping monsters all over this thing. It's good. Um, There's also a room, uh, a building where you can upgrade spells and it's very, very similar. Um, Except that I think that like the first two upgrades for spells is always the same. Uh, it seems, yeah, it seems to be uh, minus one to its cost and plus ten to its magic power, yeah. uh, which increases healing or damage by whatever the magic power value is. And then there's a third that'll be some kind of special effect. Uh, some of my favorites are like holdover. Holdover's uh, insane. Hold, holdover is the one that kind of breaks some cards. If you can get a card down to like cost zero and holdover, it's holdover like, means it's such a value. Yeah, holdover is deck. It's the first thing you draw next turn. Yeah, whenever you play it you it goes straight back to the top of your deck that seems usable um, yep oh yeah <laughs> yes it is it is how boy it like some just good examples of random cards that are really good there's an awoken card that just heals you, all of your monsters to full health if you can get that mm. to zero cost and hold over you just like okay i'm full health every turn chandler did you play during the brief window when the expansion had a card that let you steal um opposing monsters yes I got that. Yeah, I got I got zero cost holdover. Steal a random opponent's monster and put it on your side of the field, and it's just it's just broken. The game just breaks down fundamentally. Yeah, they got rid of that card, but that was like that was insane. Like it was yeah, so it's like like you you're on this high difficulty, so they're like insanely buffed, and so they're like trying to kill each other. And you're like, and I'm just back here building up my team. <laughs> yeah, just doing my thing. Well, and that's one thing is you can actually, if you, uh, so one thing, oh, this is a kind of a cool mechanic you can play around with is ascending and descending. Um, there are cards that move enemies or your stuff up or down a floor. And um, that ignores capacity restriction. 
So you can actually super over stack a level by using ascend cards or descend cards to shove all your monsters into one level, which is like a thing. Like I've actually played around with having um, a copy of an ascend card with holdover mm-hmm. and being able to just ascend something every single turn, let you do some really wild stuff. And and so what, what I like about monster train a lot, kind of what I'm slowly sort of building up to here is that, while like what I really like about Slay the Spire and these kind of deck building roguelikes in general, and there's a ton of them we could talk about. Like Brett was talking about, we wanted to talk about this for like two hours, but we're coming to a close here. Um, there's a ton of different games that that are are a lot of fun to to uh, play. Another one like we were playing Rogue Book for a little bit. Um, I know Across the Obelisk is one you've been playing recently. Uh, there's like there, there's a ton of games kind of within this genre that are. Half Fighter Adventure is actually a board game deck building roguelike. Yeah. Um, but to me, what I'm chasing and what I'm after is seeing the really wild shit happen. Like, I just want to see the game, like, creak and bend to handle the absurdity <laughs> of whatever synergy I have put together. Like, that's what I'm after. And Monster Train is probably the game that rewards you the most for making that happen and gives you the most tools to do so mm-hmm. um, but without it just feeling easy you do have to know what you're doing and know kind of how to build towards it and like you do have to get a little lucky you know or like i've that. given up on the divinity and you keep beating him uh yeah it's been a while i actually cranked my difficulty way down to start just oh he runs but no i i was I, doing yeah. it on like covenant rank 23 which is like the third from highest or whatever yeah. and boy it just starts to hurt after a while um like your soul just ugh. uh what's i'm still amused that i have a little fade win on divinity i don't it my mind <laughs> so, that so i that hate was, that character with all so, my heart and yeah we, we we talk about this game a ton and i feel like about half our conversations are about how the hell is this character supposed to do anything yep and then going <laughs> i I did the thing. I figured it out. Yeah. Um, I, I, I broke it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Little it, first. <laughs> yeah. Little, little fade for no, honestly, little fades, not the worst. Oh, no, just, the buffet guy is the worst. So no, I actually, so, you know, you don't know the one I hate the most is, is sorry. Anybody who hasn't played this, but I hate <laughs> the second champion for Stygians, the spell guy that like, looks like a mind flare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate him. You have he, to like unlock him. You have to like unlock him. It's terrible. Yeah. Like he's he's got this thing where he like puts himself in stasis. Like most of his most of his forms are like put himself in this weird stasis where you have to play cards. You have to play spells. Every spell you play gets him like one point further away from being out of his stasis. And he can't attack or be attacked while he's in it. And like it's really hard unless your deck is built a certain way. Sometimes he just never comes out. And then a lot of time when he does, he's like not worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he like comes out and you're like, this is less powerful than other champions. Why did I have to do all this? Yeah. And it's not like the other Stygian champions that good. It's just that the spells are so fun. Who cares? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. And so it's a, if I have like maybe one complaint about monster train is that some of the balance between the different champions is a little out of whack. There's just some that are like really mediocre, but like, there's so many that are really fun and even the mediocre ones, it kind of makes it more satisfying. Like, that's why I talked about little fade, little fade was probably the one I hated the most. And now he's actually one of my favorites. Cause I sort of figured out how he works and he's really bizarre, but he's just, he's a really odd little champion, but I kind of fell in love with him cause I just figured out a dumb synergy with him that, that I, I really liked. Um, and so that's, if you just like, if you're the kind of person that just likes like poking at mechanics, poking at mechanics and 
finding way in in having those aha moments of realizing you just got the the key piece to like break the game in half kind of a thing like if that's something that is like satisfying and exciting to you uh this is just a really really good genre it's a lot of fun it's very creative and my my like definitely my like top suggestion would be monster train it's really good it's also on game pass um oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but also if you just kind of want to get into like a, a very fundamental like this is what that kind of game is slay the spire is an incredible game it's also on mobile like and it's, it's cheap it's like 15 bucks yeah, it's super cheap it's but yeah it's been out for a while and it's like it's kind of a little indie project in the first place um so it's, it's pretty cheap to get generally and it's it's just like it's just really good like i it, it like, only games that invent new genres like yeah but that's the thing is this yeah slay the spire like brought in a new genre it's it's in in some respects like further games should be slay the spire likes um because they, they, they pulled so much from kind of the foundation that it built. And it's like the only problems I really have with Slay the Spire don't really come up till you're like over 100 hours in. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm I have played that game a lot before I was kind of like, OK, all right, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, I struggled a little bit at the beginning, so you kind of have to get over. Yeah, the yeah, you, yeah, you have to get you have to get in. It is not an easy game. Um yeah, yeah they, they didn't work out the tutorial. That's why Monster Train's so perfect is that they worked out like how to tutorialize it, how to ramp up the difficulty. Yeah, yeah. that's my thing with Across the Obelisk. I started it and felt like I was getting punched in the face, and I was oh just yeah, like, okay, I got <laughs> this. Hurts my face. <laughs> there's forty mechanics. I think like there's forty. Well, sound and effects. just the, the fact that I walked in and was like, I am deck building four decks right now. I can't handle this. Like my brain doesn't work. Well, this yeah, time. that's supposed to be a co-op game. Right? So it's supposed to be each person brings one character. But yes, yeah, it feels a lot more manageable. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's our little conversation uh, on on deck building roguelikes. Uh, I have to I have to end us before we we yeah, devolve so, into madness. So the question is, Jaden, are you interested now? <laughs> um, after all of that, what what is your takeaway? I'm moderately overwhelmed, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It sounds really interesting, but like, it's probably the wrong kind of game for me at this point in right. my life because I don't really have a lot of free time to sink into something like this to get good at it or to understand all the synergies. The concept is fascinating, and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't. I just yeah, don't have the the bandwidth for it at the moment it's interesting how a game with a core gameplay loop that's like half an hour is like no no this is like a 40 hour game <laughs> well yeah it, it these i mean slay the spire is bad for this monster train's bad for this too where it's it is definitely one of those games that you kind of sit down and go like all right runs take you know 15 to 25 minutes five hours later you're like what have i done yeah it's, it's they've they've got that quality to them really bad where you're like okay one more run i i almost got that synergy i'm gonna try again and see if i can go for this again like i do that all the time and yeah they'll they'll do that it's it's yeah. a problem well and I, I think if like if i started to play it i would probably love it but there's also part of me that's just like i don't think i can afford to do this right now <laughs> yeah, I, no i also so my takeaway from this conversation is that i think it's really interesting how a lot of the mechanics of deck building roguelikes have been distilled into Storybook Brawl. I think the design of that game is so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's another really good one to check out uh, if you want. We have. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about 
auto battles. Can I talk about auto battles? I hate auto battles. No, I do, and that's why I want to talk about them because most of them suck. We need to, yeah. the only storybook brawl only makes sense as a good game within the context of how much how bad the rest of them are. Because uh, <laughs> it's just like, ugh. yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Uh. All right. I'm gonna close this out. We're doing the thing. Thanks so much for listening to us. Anybody who who has sat down with us, obviously, this is kind of get us getting started, getting our feet wet, figuring out kind of what a format for this sort of a thing is going to look like. So if you have any like thoughts, ideas, questions, concerns, anything like that, shoot us a message through like our Discord, which you can find. We'll put it in the show notes for this on uh, LOS uh, LOSWarmachine.com. You can find it on there. Uh, check out our Facebook, which is line of sight. Uh, you can see all the different things that we've got going on on there. We're going to have a lot more kind of general gaming stuff popping up over time. I really want to do a regular stream at some point, but That's I don't know. just me and you, but I'm in, I'm in for that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>